Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 15 Enzo Eressa, the Half Elf Smuggler. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I'm your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and welcome to the Levitating Platter. Hello and welcome to another week's episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests, the in-between week edition. I went to the polls, I asked you guys and gals what you wanted to hear, and it turns out that you wanted a Han Solo type NPC this week. So, I uh, had to think quite a bit on how to put a Dungeons and Dragons spin on the classic rogue from the beloved trilogy, as well as the uh, sequel trilogy as well. I suppose without further ado, let's head into some NPC creation. Alright, so what is our Han Solo type character's name? The name that I ended up going with was Anso Eressa. And what is the background, the ancestry for Anso Eressa? That would be half-elf, because uh, Anso would be a human name, and then Eressa is an elvish last name, which means alone. So, trying to keep the theme going. What is the job or role? Well, obviously, as our Han Solo type, uh, that would make Anso a smuggler, who is proficient in sailing on the open seas, and uh, it would also mean that his background is urchin, since he grew up in the imperial city of the elves, and then uh, found himself serving in the navy before he went solo. How old is our character? Well, if I had to reckon, I would say he's probably 30. It's a good age. You know, he, he, he spent his youth as an urchin, he spent his first young adult years uh, serving in the Navy and then uh, left that life behind him to go live a life of freedom. Describe your physical appearance. Obviously, we have to have someone with uh, sandy brown hair, uh, half-elvish ears, so not super long, but pointed sort of on the normal human side. Very charismatic, very charming. Someone who is full of swagger and charm, knows how to carry himself. He has that Harrison Ford Han Solo machismo. But I would say to help add some unique 
aspects to him. He probably has some uh, tattoo markings underneath where he would wear a tunic. Those are probably memories from his old gang life as part of the Viridian Vipers from the underbelly of the city. He also happens to have a little bit of flashy jewelry, um, you know, to kind of put on airs and flaunt his uh, wealth and his coolness. But there is one particular ring that he wears on a chain around his neck, and it's this moon crystal ring, which factors into his backstory. He keeps it very close to the vest, tries not to let too many people see it. Other than that, just a dreamy, scruffy nerf herder, I suppose. Describe your character in three adjectives. I think the first adjective should be charming. We have to be able to uh, see that he is witty with his words, but he's also pleasing to the eye. The next adjective would be lucky. I mean that he kind of seems to bumble his way from one misadventure to the next, uh, and everything seems to go his way. So I'd say he's got a bit of luck on his side. Whether that comes from years of skill behind the helm at a ship, or being able to be the faster draw in a duel, he's lucky. And the last one I'm going to say is haunted. His backstory, as we'll see in the next section, is kind of one that leaves him haunted. He He's trying to find an answer of who he is. He's just living in the moment. He's living on his raw emotions, and he's just trying to survive. And he's embracing freedom and the chaos of it, and he's just trying to do the best that he can. And sometimes that makes him selfish, but other times it reminds him of trying to do the right thing. So I think those would be three good adjectives. What's a valuable item, piece of lore, secret, concept, or ideal that he ascribes to? Well, I think in fitting with our Han Solo type NPC, there's a couple of these valuable criteria. First off, he does have a note from his elven mother that he keeps very, very private. Of course, I've already mentioned the ring, which is also from his mother. He has a ship that is called the Aeon of Orthia. Kind of like his version of the Millennium Falcon. And then, of course, he has a a buddy. He has a sidekick of his own. Every Han Solo type needs a good Chewbacca. And, of course, he has that in his bugbear first mate, Nashark. What is a particular quest that Anza would be willing to recruit or hire the player characters to go and do? Based on his backstory, I would say Anzo would be willing to recruit player characters to either fight off an assassin, a bounty hunter that's trailing him, that's trying to uh, claim a reward on him, because I think that would help set up a relationship so later down the line, perhaps in a more serious mission that he would ask you to undergo perhaps it would be finding his father and mother but i don't think if you're first meeting him that's going to be a realistic first side quest that he's going to be willing to offer so i think probably he's heard word that someone's tailing him and so he's going to hire you the player characters to try and either eliminate or redirect the bounty hunter to somewhere else the reward for succeeding is that he's probably going to offer to let you travel to anywhere that you need to go because his ship, the Aeon of Orthea, is elven made. It has the ability to not only sail 
the water is at the prime material plane, but it's able to innately travel to other dimensions as well. So if there is a place that you're needing to go, he's willing to kind of be your go-to captain to help you get where you're needing to go. And I think that'd be a good reward for the side quest of helping to steer a bounty hunter out of his way. But what's going to be the consequence of failure refusing the call? Well, if you are unable to defeat the bounty hunter, the bounty hunter is potentially going to catch up to Anso and capture him in Nashark and take him to the crime boss of the crime syndicate, the Midnight Rise. And from there, we don't know what his fate could be, you know, whether that's going to be include torture or even being killed. Or if you refuse the call, then perhaps Anzo is going to have to uh, make a quick escape or, you know, he's going to have to flee and run to a different dimension and you might not be able to have access to his services because he is unavailable because he's on the run from bounty hunters. So thinking of some of these optional questions, what are goals and motivations of the character and how do they affect his personality? Generally, uh, based on the story I wrote, he's someone who wants to find out who he is because for so long he has been told what he is by elven society and human society since he is a half-elf. He's not fully accepted in either group. And so he's had to, you know, survive. That's been one of his major motivations and goals is just to survive in life just because no one's made it easy for him, he thinks, he feels. So it's made him have to depend on his street savvy, his charms, his wit in order to get around or get through most situations. He's had to step up on fisticuffs, in knife fighting, in being able to wield a flintlock pistol or a uh, light crossbow, and trying to, uh, you know, stay one step ahead of anyone who's trying to get the jump on him. So, you know, he, he's kind of aloof. He's kind of uh, hard to pin down. He's tries to play everything close to the vest because he's trying to survive and he's hoping that at some point once he can get out from under the thumb of the midnight rise he can eventually go off and find his father and his mother and uh, maybe be able to reconcile with them or at least tell them off or whatever he needs to do as far as how does he interact with peers uh since he does have that urchin roguish kind of background he's pretty friendly with anyone of the thief background he can speak thieves con so if he needs to speak with you privately on some uh scheming matters uh then he's able to do so also he picked up a little bit of goblin since he his first mate is a bugbear and he's since gotten better at speaking goblin so sometimes you'll hear him speaking in goblin as well to his enemies and rivals he's very sarcastic and comes off very witty and uh, snarky that's how he speaks to his enemies and his rivals while he does have a crime boss that he has to report to, he tries to speak to him very friendly, but he's also trying to make sure that he has at least one foot out the door, one foot on the train as far as his escape plan with his own ultimate goals and ambitions are. He's not so interested in furthering the goals and the aims of the crime syndicate family. And with player characters, uh, he's going to speak plainly. He's going to be no nonsense. He's going to ask them where they want to go or how much money they have. And, you know, what are they going to do for him to help him out? So he's going to come across as a standoffish, perhaps. Once the characters get to know him a little bit better and uh, work with him, then perhaps he lightens up and is able to show his softer side. 
Does he have any particular accent or language uh, with each or in general, or any idiosyncrasies in the way that he acts or speaks? Certainly, when he's in elven society, he tries to act as elvish as he can, though he's not of the imperial court or anything like that. Um, when he's with humans, he certainly tries to blend in with humans and be no big deal, make sure that his, uh, his nice sandy brown hair is brushed over his ears so no one can really tell. Certainly he's, you know, he tries to be smooth with the ladies as much as he can be, just trying to be his charming self, kind of speaks in a cool baritone sort of a bass, kind of like Harrison Ford, you'd imagine from the original trilogy. No other real idiosyncrasies otherwise. And what impact has he made on the world? How has he shaped the local area? And what current problems prevent him from being a bigger player on the stage? Well, certainly there are tales told of him through the Imperial Navy as a deserter. Certainly his former gang members know of him. And he's uh, well known throughout the desert port town that a ship tends to live and operate out of. There's a lot of bounty hunters that certainly know of him since recently the crime boss put out a hit on him as it were, and certainly that'll come up in the story as well. And certainly the biggest problem that he's dealing with is the fact that his crime boss has put out a hit on him because he's failed one too many times, and so he's, again, likewise trying to get out of Dodge, he's trying to take the next job that's going to afford him an out, that's going to let him maintain his independence, his freedom, and his way of life. And there you go, I think we've covered all the character details. I think it's time now to head into a random encounter. Enzo Aressa had the bad luck to be born in the Elven Empire, for the union of his parents was not meant to be. A diplomat and a bard. One night of carousing is all it took. Human father was gone in the morning. Elvish mother was left alone and soon with child. Alone, or... Eressa, in the elvish tongue. Fearing the ridicule and scorn of the imperial court, she left her newborn son on the doorstep of the foundling ward of the temple. Leaving him a tear-stained note and a moon-crystal ring in the basket, she returned to her old life, broken-hearted. I am sorry, my little Enzo. I cannot care for you. The life I have I cannot give you, for you would be mocked and treated lowly among those you would seek to call family and friends. I know you must think me wretched and cruel, but I swear to you, my little Anzo, I am trying to do what is best for you. I gave you the name of your human father, a bard. Find him among the ships that sail the waters. Have pity on me, your mother. Take this ring, and know that a piece of my heart is always with you, my little Anzo. Anzo read this letter countless times as a child, adding new tear stains to the document. Eventually, he could no longer contain his anger and his desire to hunt down his father and mother. The religious sisters of the temple did their best to tend and care for young Anzo, but he ran away from the care of people who meant well and wanted the best for him. Soon, a teenage Anzo found himself living within the shadows and sewers of the imperial city. To survive, Anzo had to join a street gang of misfits and miscreants called the Viridian Vipers. He burgled homes, stole skiffs and wagons, and picked pockets. Anzo was always sleeping with one eye open and a hand on his dagger. One night, his gang attempted to rob the house of one of the Imperial Admirals. 
After another member of the gang betrayed the heist for the reward money, Anzo and his accomplices were caught. He soon found himself pressed into the service of the Imperial Navy. Over the next four years, into his 20s, Anzo grew to be a competent sailor and pilot, though he was a less-than-exemplary imperialist, often earning himself grueling chores and punishment. With no end to his service in sight, Anzo attempted to steal a lifeboat and escape to a free port. As his dinghy dipped into the moonlit waters, the night watch signaled. The thunderous chorus of cannon fire erupted from the darkness. The flash of the gunpowder illuminated the tar and blood-stained sails of goblin marauders. Ship bells chimed as the clashing swords and yells and yips swelled over the roll of the ocean waters. As Anzo paddled away, elven battle mages released a torrent of red orbs over the side toward the goblin ships. Fireballs began to cascade in explosions, and Anzo was caught in the blast thrown into the waters. He awoke, drenched and in chains. He was inside of a goblin cave and in some type of makeshift jail cell. He wasn't alone. He followed the chains to see a large creature on the other end, large, hairy, muscular, and fierce, a bugbear. It pulled on the chain, seeming to lunge at Anzo. He panicked. No, no! Eat! Friend! Goblin! Anzo cried in broken goblin. The bugbear turned his head quizzically. Anzo, seemingly struggling with the little bit of goblin he learned in his gang, continued, No! Eat! Friend! Goblin! Goblin! Friend! Barter! Goblin! Friend! Smash! Iron! The bugbear smiled a toothy grin and laughed. <laughs> Your goblin is a bit rusty, he said in the common tongue. Anzo looked relieved and held out his hand. Anzo. The bugbear cautiously eyed the hand. Nashark. He completed the foreign custom. Let's say we get out of here and far away from this place. Nashark flexed against the shackles around his hands, his feet, and his throat. How are we going to do that? Anzo comically pulled on the chains to get some slack, reached into his boot, and pulled out a set of thieves' tools. With some tools of the trade, of course. After escaping the goblin caves and sailing for foreign shores, eventually, Anzo set up shop in the free desert port town of Amoa Krudashi, a hub for piracy and organized crime. He and Nashark became smugglers for the feared death slot to Jaborex and his crime syndicate, the Midnight Rise. Sailing aboard their elven-made ship, the Eon of Orthia, Anzo and Nashark ran illegal drugs and stolen goods for the Midnight Rise to the various continents and interdimensional harbors, thanks to the special construction of elven vessels. However, after several years of working for the Midnight Rise, now in his 30s, Anzo could see that there was going to be a time that he would need to leave quickly and quietly, and it was soon approaching. His last several trips had caused him to lose cargo and run severe debts with Tajabarex. Inside the local seedy tavern, an assortment of people drink as a gnomish tinker band plays atmospheric music. Anzo was comfortably sitting inside a booth enjoying the music and the cactus beer. He just finished negotiating a large sum of gold for taking an adventuring party to the druidic islands of Al-Idparan on the other side of the continent. As Anzo finishes his beer and moves to leave, a stranger approaches, flintlock in hand, pointed at Anzo. 
The stranger pulls back his hood to reveal the face of a Gith Yankee, Runak, a sloppy but ruthless bounty hunter who was often employed by Tajabarex to deal with problems. Going somewhere, Edessa? Runak snorts. Yes, indeed. I was just about to go meet with the boss. Tell Tajabarex I've got his gold. It's too late for that half-breed. You know Tajabarex doesn't ask twice for tribute. The boss has declared he wants you brought back alive so that your body will host tadpoles and your corpse fed to his pet Tarask. The reward is too great, so I'm sure I'm not the only hunter looking for you. The satisfaction of bringing you in myself makes this all the better, Runak chuckles. As Anzo begins to stealthily reach for his own firearm on his hip, he continues to speak with Runak and misdirects his attention. Yes, but this time I really do have the dead I.O. Then give it to me. Perhaps I will forget that I found you. Look, I just booked passage for some wealthy rat catchers. Tell Tajabarex enough! The boss is done with your lies, half-breed, and he certainly has no use for cowardly smugglers who dump cargo at the first sign of Imperial flags. I have a history with the Navy. The boss knows this. I don't have the luxury to stick around when they are on the horizon. Anzo slowly is arming his pistol. Then explain this to the boss. Perhaps he will only take your ship and give it to a more competent captain. Like hell, he will have to pry my fingers from my ship. Enough talk! Time to go visit the boss. This has been a long time coming, half-breed. Sure has. There's a flash of light and a loud bang of a pistol being fired. Runak slumps dead over the table as blood splatters the booth and his chest is a crater of gore. After a pause, the normal mood of the bar returns. Anzo swiftly grabs the bounty hunter's pistol and quickly rifles through his pockets, a coin pouch, and a piece of parchment with his face drawn on it in a message, the details on the bounty. Hmm, I thought I'd be worth more than that. He pockets the bounty notice, and he turns to leave. Seeing the barkeep angrily staring at him, Anzo apologizes and leaves the coin purse at the dead Gith Yankee on the bar. Sorry for the mess. He exits the bar. Another bounty hunter follows in the shadows. All right, so there you go. That was my take on a Han Solo type character this week. So it was exciting to come up with the story and a spin and a twist on the character we all know and love. Taken too soon from us uh, if you've watched the sequel trilogy. But nonetheless, we do love a scruffy nerf herder, don't we? because we love him and he knows. So thank you very much for the support and encouragement this week. I hope that you've had a good one. Looking forward to the next guest episode. And uh, recently I got an opportunity to be on the Roll for Persuasion podcast. So if you're not already listening to that podcast, uh, my buddy Andrew got to interview me. So hopefully that interview will be appearing on his show very soon. And yeah, I'm going to be recording him and getting him to make an NPC character, though his episode, uh, based on the backlog that I have, isn't going to be coming out till sometime next year, early next year. So again, I've had the great fortune over this uh, pandemic age to record quite a number of interviews. So I hope that you've been enjoying. I thank you again for the encouragement and the support, and we'll talk to you next time. 
Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, https colon forward slash forward slash sidekicksandsidequests.com for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the podcast. To stay up to date and share your fan creations, you can like and follow the podcast on social media by searching for at Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. The podcast is also on Reddit, so join our subreddit community at r slash Podcast to share your art, stories, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests, all one word, at gmail.com. I ask that you please leave an honest review on iTunes to help spread the word about the show. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Oh! Psychics and psychoids.